This episode of Upstream in Perspective is brought to you by our Upstream Technology and Innovation Service, which provides valuable insights into technology trends and developments taking place across the ENP value chain. Learn more about these services at ihsmarket.com energy. Welcome to the IHS Market Energy Podcast. In each episode, our team of experts explore the complex environment that shapes the global energy markets. Backed by IHS Market's industry-leading energy information, analytics, and insights. Here's our host of today's show. Coming out of the oil price downturn means that ENP firms must continue to promote digitalization strategies at the very highest levels of their organizations. But what does this mean for advancing technologies? And what is the potential result on key upstream functions? Today we talk with Judson Jacobs of our Upstream Technology and Innovation Service. I'm your host for today's show, Jessica Nelson. Joining us today on the podcast is Judson Jacobs. Judson is a senior director heading our Upstream Technology and Innovation Service. Judson, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jessica. It's great to be here. So we want to jump right in. Technology has long played a prominent role in advancing the upstream sector. What role do you see it playing now as we begin to emerge from the downturn? Yeah, th- thanks, Jessica. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, if you think about the history of oil and gas, technology has always played a, an incredibly prominent role in, in, in many of the advances that the industry is, uh, has been underway. It's really, it's been responsible for opening up new resources. And you certainly, if you think about whether it's um, the deep water, whether it's oil sands, or whether it's the, the unconventionals, um, it, it's been responsible for many of those activities. It's really, it's dramatically improves our, our exploration success rates. It helps us to get more oil and gas out of our reservoirs. And it also helps us to um, to operate more safely and also more environmentally sound as well. So so technology really is at, it's at the heart of many of the, the developments it's really important to begin to think about and put it into a broader business context as well. And if you think about you know, the, the environment that we found ourselves in over the last few years, certainly the focus has been on cost management and efficiency. And companies are very much turning to technology to help them with those overall corporate objectives. And some of the things that we've really begun to see is that it's, it's influenced the type of technologies that the companies have begun to pursue. Certainly, um, anything that, that does have an impact on efficiency or, or cost reduction has been very much embraced. We've seen companies move away from technologies a bit that aren't able to deliver benefits in, in a, kind of a 12 to 18 month time frame. And also, you know, putting under significant scrutiny those that are, are a bit more risky or a bit longer to uh, to come to fruition. And, and, you know, there are a couple of examples that, that, that we see is certainly the subsea technologies as well as some of the more expensive enhanced oil recovery technologies have really suffered over the past few years. Now that we, we, we seem to be a bit in the recovery, one of the things that we're, we're finding is that the emphasis remains on efficiency. Um, companies are, are, are hoping that they're able to make some of the significant cost reductions that they've seen over the last few years. Some that are really impressive, up to the 35 to 40 percent cost reductions in some key resource classes. They're really hoping that we don't, we don't follow the trend of past past cycles where those those costs begin to creep back up. And they're really looking to technology to help to help make those those cost gains cost reduction gains stick. They're also now that companies have had a chance to, to catch their breath a little bit over the past you know six months to a year. They're they're also beginning to look in some new directions. And what's interesting is that clean tech investment, certainly those that are able to reduce the carbon intensity of their core EMP operations are attracting a significant attention. But so are as well as companies begin to think about what's next and they think about some of the new business areas. 
they're also looking to um, some of the clean tech technologies to, to potentially move into those, some of those areas. So, so it's pretty exciting. We, we, we certainly, you know, we've been through a bit of a cycle here the last few years, and we're seeing that reflected in, uh, in com- where companies are, are emphasizing their technology investments. So you mentioned a couple key technologies there. What other technologies is the industry embracing to help advance some of their goals? Yeah, and, and certainly what we've seen over the last few years is that there, there's really been a, a pretty good alignment between um, the strategic goals around efficiency and cost reduction and, and where companies are focusing their technology development efforts. And we, we see that playing out in a few ways. And, and we, we track this. We actually look at the, the focus areas of, of different industry players and the industry as a whole. And some of the areas that we're seeing over the last few years that have really attracted some significant attention, one is around um, technologies that can, that can help reduce the capital intensity of, of some of the projects. And this is especially true around some of the facilities that the companies are putting into place. They're developing lighter and stronger materials that allow them to, you know, to, to uh, you know, use use less materials and, and have it be less expensive. They're reducing the footprint and, and making some of their equipment smaller which also you know, creates a, a more compact and less expensive um, facility. And then they're also looking to, you know, really, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's technology, but some of it's just innovation more broadly, but shifting away from these very large um, facilities to more modular designs. And all these things together, if we look at them, and we've seen both case study examples as well as we've made some projections ourselves, we see that they can reduce the capital intensity of their projects by anywhere from about 5 to 15%. One of the things that we also see is that companies are, are investing in technologies that rather than you spending lots of money on new technologies, they're trying to get more value out of some of their past investments. And I'll, and I'll give you a couple examples of this. One is that where we've seen companies pulling back on investment in the seismic acquisition technologies, we have seen them that continue and actually you know, significantly continue investments in seismic processing algorithms, seismic interpretation that allows them to get more value out of their past seismic surveys. We also see investments in, in some, I mentioned that you know some enhanced oil recoveries, more expensive ones are, are kind of falling to the wayside a bit, but we do see continued investments in enhanced oil recovery and those that are, um, I, I guess, more cost-effective at, at lower oil prices. And one that's been especially true that we see a lot of interest is in is low salinity water flooding. And then finally, um, one of the ones that's really hit the sweet spot of um, of this efficiency and cost management goal are, are, is a broad class of technologies that we place into digitalization. And, and it, this is quite broad. So we consider things such as advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data, and, and everything from automation as well as kind of robotics, as well as field mobility devices like ruggedized tablets. And it's really, it, it's a sweet spot. You know, the, the reason that digitalization, I think, is really attracting so much attention in the industry is that it really, most of these technologies do focus on improving efficiency and lowering cost. They're also relatively less expensive and less costly to develop. And they're also easier to scale up across the entire organization as well and to kind of get get things out very quickly to begin to see an impact on the bottom line. So so those three things, we've, over the past few years, we've, we've seen investments in some of these different areas that, uh, and those, those are continuing as well. Wow. Yeah, you you ran this spectrum there of materials to automation in terms of technology. Yeah. So you mentioned digitalization, uh, certainly not a new concept in oil and gas. And I know you've been and your your uh, innovation and technology service at IHS Market has been analyzing this since the early 2000s. So tell us what's different now. 
Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, and to, to think that the industry is just embracing digitalization would obviously be you know, a bit of a misconception. The, the industry has long been a leader in, in a high-performance computing and uh, you know the, the deployment of automation. But but I think one of the things, if if you think back to the last wave of um, really strong interest in, in digitalization, is probably the early 2000s, and a lot of the emphasis there was on um, connecting kind of the field to the office environment being able to get the data out of the field and whether it's from wells, facilities, or from the subsurface and, and bringing that back to the office environment where some of the professionals and some of the, some of the technical experts could be able to analyze and optimize that and, and also improve collaboration with the field. And we, we've seen quite a bit of investment that was going back to the 2000s. But one of the areas that the, the industry seemed to fall a bit short on is that they ran into some problems, one of which was around taking on perhaps too much of the, the software development role. So a lot of the oil companies themselves um, invested significantly and developed a lot of their own solutions, which proved to be a bit, bit challenging to you know, continue development as well as to, to maintain those over time. And we, we also saw that the, the past digitalization efforts, a lot of them were, were trying to really integrate you know, a pretty ambitious set looking across many different functions and, and EMP lifecycle. And it, it proved to be a, a bit more to bite off in the chew than, than might have been anticipated. So one of the things we found, and this is kind of going back again to the early 2000s and the 2010s, is that there were a number of pockets of excellence in the industry, and we saw some great examples of some really impressive deployments and uses of digitalization. But unfortunately, it, they were just that. They were these pockets, and they didn't tend to move, or they weren't able to move the needle around overall corporate performance. One of the things that we've seen, you know, this, this next wave of digitalization, I think the industry is really trying to learn from, from some of its maybe mistakes in the past. And they're focusing, they're much more receptive to partnering. So working with both uh, oil field services companies as well as uh, some, some less traditional, more Silicon Valley companies to partner to develop some of these solutions and then to maintain them over time as well. They're also looking at, at, at better or more effective delivery models that, that can get these tools into the hands of their engineers around the world. And this is certainly true around some of the, the platform developments that we've seen that have been emerging over the last few years. And then also cloud hosting as well and being able to push a lot of these tools and the solutions out to their, their engineers. And then the whole idea around this, and I, and I think you know, especially you see a lot of attention being paid you see a lot of statements being made by the senior most executives across the oil sector is that they're really taking this approach now that how can we how can we not just you know get these pockets of excellence but how can we ensure that our entire organization is using these tools and really begin to see an impact on the overall bottom line so that's that, i guess that that's the difference is it's a different different set of technologies um, but then also um, then also you see a different uh, way to develop these as well as to deliver them Okay. And let me throw a little curveball at you. Do you think we would have achieved the same technology advances if we didn't go through the, the low price oil environment over the last couple of years? I think it certainly created a, uh, a very receptive environment to some of the digitalization. And, and when, when oil, you know, and everyone says this, but when oil is uh, you know, over $100, um, people tend to, to focus on growth and they tend to you know, focus on getting as much oil out of the ground. I think this, um, you know, the you know, never let a crisis go to waste is the old saying, right? So I think this is the crisis has created the urgency that's been needed to to make these investments and to really, um, you know, really be, be more receptive to digitalization. And, and I think it, it's it's probably there's there's a bit of um, convergence as well with um, Silicon Valley and, and the emergence of some of these tools like analytics, artificial intelligence. So it, it's probably the right time 
And so it's, it's a bit of a beneficial that, that, that did happen at the same time. Okay. Um, so what industry segments are seeing the greatest benefit from the early application of these some of these technologies? Yeah, and, and certainly just about there's no segment of oil and gas that, that really hasn't been either beginning to deploy or develop some of these capabilities. You certainly see some of the more technically adept national oil companies really developing and, and looking to develop some pretty robust programs. Certainly the large integrated oil companies are, are doing the same and they have some pretty ambitious goals for what they're trying to do. The service companies themselves, um, not only are they, they offering some of these solutions, but they're they're really kind of eating their own dog food. Um, they're, they're, they're applying these tools to improve their, their overall efficiency as well. And by doing that, they're, they're learning you know, some of the applications and being able to offer those to their customers as well. But if we really think about the group that, that's been probably embraced digitalization the strongest and that's probably earned some of the early benefits, I think it's the independents. And, and it's certainly those North American independents that are engaged on the unconventionals, some international independents as well. And I think one of the things that we've seen is that this has really been somewhat of an existential crisis. Uh, and it's really created the urgency to be able to, to really focus on this, that, that maybe some of those other groups didn't have that same level of high focus. So you've really begun to see a number of the independents. What's interesting is, is, is they're cutting back in a lot of different areas. One of the areas that they continue to invest in and actually doubled, or in some cases even tripled down on, were the developments of these analytics groups. And just about every mid and large size independence over the last two or three years has formed one of these standalone analytics groups to focus on the real business challenges and the real business opportunities that are in front of them. So they're developing analytics to improve the reliability of their artificial lift. They're using artificial, artificial intelligence and machine learning to both avoid drilling dysfunction, so improve drilling efficiency, but then also optimize the drilling process as well. And then lastly, they're, they're using analytics and artificial intelligence to improve um, production forecasting. And that may sound kind of dull, but one of the things that it does, it allows them then to optimize not only individual wells, but also overall field development strategies as well. And so they've really, they've embraced this. They've embraced a data-driven approach to both field development and production operations. And there's a number of great examples where they, they've really begun to see some of the benefits. A couple of companies that, that stand out that, you know, that we certainly see and we admire quite a bit working in this area, ConocoPhillips, they've got a real strong program and then Occidental Petroleum as well. They also have a very strong analytics program. And there are others, of course, but those are some of the ones that stand out as, as really embracing this approach and really beginning to get some of the early value out of it. Um, and so a lot of the technologies and, and concepts you've mentioned aren't native to oil and gas. So what new approaches are ENP players pursuing to introduce them into the industry? Yeah, it's a, that's a great point. And it, it's, it's really, I guess, a bit of a change for the industry to, to, to you know, try to develop these capabilities of things that may not be, you know, as you say, native to the oil and gas industry. And we've seen some changes. I mean, we, we've seen some definitive changes in how companies and their strategies around sourcing technology. Whereas companies, most oil companies in the past, they, they had internal R&D, they, they bought things off the shelf from the service sector and adapted them to their needs, or maybe they had arm's length relationships with, with universities. And so one of the things that we've really seen change, and this, this is kind of probably going back over a decade now, but I think in the last two or three years, there's been both a, a sustainment of some of these maybe more exotic models, but then also um, the expansion as well. And it's these open, open innovation strategies. And, and, and the way to think about this, you know, one is certainly the idea of um, partnerships and alliances. 
So being more receptive that rather than going it alone or rather than kind of having these arm's length agreements is to really create some of these true partnerships and alliances in the industry. In some cases between the oil companies and, and traditional suppliers, in other cases beginning to reach out beyond the industry to, to Silicon Valley and to uh, you know, some of these uh, advanced manufacturing firms as well. And that's, we, we track this within, within our group and, and we've seen that there's been actually over the last few years an increase in the number of partnerships, but also a, a migration and a significant increasing portion of those are dedicated to or have some, some element of digitalization around them. We're also seeing um, another form of open innovation that, that's been uh, kind of increasing over the last few years is, is corporate venture capital. And it's the idea that companies form an internal venture capital group and they invest in um, early stage energy technology companies to really begin to tap into some of those innovations that might not be taking place within their own companies or in some cases within their own industries. And we've seen a significant increase um, over the last decade, but then that's kind of been sustained over the last few years as well. And again, in this case, it's been a bit of a migration towards investments in digital technologies, as well as in clean tech uh, that I mentioned in kind of my opening comments. And so, um, yes, I mean, so, so these, these, it's interesting to see that we kind of see the strategy of the, the industry evolving or emerging over the last few years. And there's really been this increasing portfolio approach to technology development. And they're, they're kind of thinking, I think, strategically now about where they source technology. So in areas where there, there truly is competitive differentiation, such as the subsurface and, and recovery of oil and gas, the oil companies are kind of going to continue to invest in proprietary uh, technology to be able to hold on to those and try to gain competitive differentiation. In those areas that are capital intensive, that are a bit riskier, that uh, the, uh, the expertise may lie more in the service sector and outside of the oil companies, there's a lot of partnerships that are taking place to be able to share risk as well as to share, share the cost. And we see those a lot in, on the facility side as well as on the, uh, on the drilling and the well construction side. And then finally, those areas that, that may, again, may not be native to oil and gas, such as digital, digital technologies, clean tech, um, advanced manufacturing, material science, biologics, those are the areas where you see, in some cases, partnerships outside the industry, but also this, uh, this much more kind of corporate venture to kind of tap into some of these, these startups where a lot of this innovation seems to be taking place. So it's really exciting. It, 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 it's, it's, it's something that we've seen in the last few years is this true change in strategy and being able to take this portfolio approach and really being quite thoughtful about where companies are able to, to source their technology. We all know how quickly technology and innovation moves in our personal lives, but sometimes forget what that means for an industry like energy. Yeah. Um, so let me ask, is there, um, can you give us a sneak peek? What kind of research analysis is coming from your team in the next few months? Yeah, so, so we're continuing our, our digitalization theme. This is something that we've, we've been having underway for over a decade now. So we're, we've got a, a good library, but, but a couple themes that we're looking at, one is around applying digital and automation technologies in the well construction domain. So how to make drilling more efficient and uh, you know, reduce some of those surprises, but also the, the shift and maybe the evolution towards full drilling autonomy. And continuing along that, that digitalization side, we're, we're also looking at um, the changes and the changes of dynamic between the service sector and the oil companies and how digital technologies and the, the transparency that they afford, how they're leading to changes in some of the offerings from the, um, from the service sector and, and the nature of those offerings as well as 
the types of offerings as well. We've got one focus that uh, we, we actually identified uh, because we, we kind of saw a gap in the research, but with, with all of the uh, the decommissioning that's going to be taking place over the next couple decades and the, the tens of billions of dollars that are going to be spent, we saw that uh, technology, maybe the focus on that particular area of high cost may not be a may not be the right level that it should be. And so we're actually looking at a, a technology screening around uh, technologies that can improve the efficiency of decommissioning and bring down costs for anywhere from you know 10 to 20 to 30 percent, which you know, if you begin to look at the overall cost and the overall investment, that's going to be significant. And then finally, we, we also are looking at these, these technology trends. We've got an update to our, um, our corporate venture capital database. We maintain a database of over 500 investments in the startups that are being invested in by the by the oil companies and by the energy companies now. And so we've got an update to that database that's coming out. So those are a few of the things that we're, we're working on that should be coming out in the next uh, two or three months. And uh, yeah, pretty exciting times. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be watching for some of those coming up and love to have you back to talk about any of that research. Thank you, Jessica. Great. Thanks so much, Judson. I want to thank Judson for the fascinating discussion about technology and innovation within the energy industry today. And of course, you can find energy insights from our team of experts online 24-7 at www.ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.